It's another edition of The Difference. Welcome to it. I'm Dan O'Donnell, talk radio host extraordinaire, and I am joined, as I am every week, by the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. Dave, you are tan-focused and ready for another podcast after spending some time fishing with your son, huh? Yeah, that's right. We were up in uh, Canada, 350 miles north of Thunder Bay, which is way up there. Flew in, uh, no roads at all, but it was a blast. Caught a lot of northern pike, a lot of walleye, a lot of fun, uh, and so... Yeah, we're back in the we're back in the saddle, and you were uh, you were over the pond, weren't you? Yeah, I was in Ireland for eleven days with a group of radio listeners, my family as well. It was uh, to say the trip of a lifetime would be to sell it short. Uh, wow. I cannot recommend highly enough, and especially for me, being of Irish heritage, it was. I just felt a deep, deep connection. Uh, to Ireland and its people. It's just a, a lot of fun. But we are back in the saddle, and unfortunately— 51st state. That's what they say. They, 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 do, they do refer to it as their 51st state. You're right, because of all of the contributions of Irish Americans, there has been significant immigration from Ireland uh, to the United States over the past 150 years. All Which, right, where, so we are go? back. Okay, go ahead. I was going to ask oh, you where I, you no, went, no, no, we but could, that's fine. That's you want, oh, okay. Let's you get want, the business, fellow. Come on. I, you know, this is, this is how talk radio works. It's like boom, boom, boom. You got 30 seconds to do your little personal introduction and stuff. No, we went uh, from Dublin, spent a couple of days there and then went south to Waterford, toured the Waterford mm-hmm. Crystal Factory, a beautiful little seaside town, and then to Kilkenny, where we toured the Kilkenny Castle, down to Killarney, and we did kiss the Blarney Stone, yeah. which is a bit more exhilarating than you might think it would be. You're basically suspended over a 200-foot drop at the very top of this castle with only a couple of tiny little bars to catch you in case you fall. Fortunately, there's a guy holding on to you, but I was not expecting it to be that much of a thrill ride to Mm -hmm. kiss the Blarney Stone. Uh, We then went to Cork. We, from there, toured the Ring of Kerry, just beautiful, beautiful scenery along the sea. Uh, And then we saw the Cliffs of Moher. We spent a couple of days in Limerick, finished up in Galway, and then headed back to Dublin, where we flew home. A a number of listeners had an optional add-on trip to go to Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm -hmm. Uh, My family didn't. We needed to get me back on the air as soon as possible and back doing this podcast. So, yeah, it was a wonderful time. So I should expect a nice piece of Waterford uh, being (laughs) UPSed. No, very awesome. possible. Well, it it it's going to be determined by how the next six months goes. Okay. with my investing because I can tell you the first six months were pretty terrible. Yeah, that's for sure. They was not a good six months. In fact, if you go back and look, it's one of the worst six months that we have had in many many decades. And it was both sides of the portfolio, generally bonds and equities move in opposite direction to kind of ballast or balance the portfolio. Well, they both went down at the same time because the Fed was attempting to fight inflation by raising interest rates and and higher interest rates put downward pressure on bond prices. And at the same time, the stock market was preparing for a recession. And so earnings have been uh, modified down. And so it was a double whammy, both sides uh, were being hit. And of course, as you and I have talked about for nearly a year, the Fed has made a debacle uh, of what's happening here. You know, they pumped all of the money in, and we realized that that was going to be an inflation issue. Uh, 
Uh, of course, we know about the COVID issues and, and employment, and now you can't get people to work and supply chain issues and, and inflation has run away. And so we'll see a CPI number this week, and hopefully it'll begin to mitigate, but we'll have to take a look at it. It, it certainly doesn't seem like anyone's planning for a whole lot of mitigation, although just anecdotally. Uh, I've seen some of the consumer activities sort of uh, shut down. I don't know what the impact has been on the summer driving season with gas prices, but I saw a rather hilarious tweet from the Associated Press. Gas prices plummet mm-hmm. to $4.86 a gallon. Yeah. You know when it has to plummet to get to four you're you're in a bad way. Uh, but are we seeing some of the economic slowdown that maybe – wouldn't necessarily be indicative of a recession. But I think there are significant fears that people are just going to, if they haven't already, stop spending. Yep. So a lot of stuff there. Number one, we as we were driving back from from Canada, you know, gas was you know four dollars and fifty cents a gallon, and people cheered that. It's you know that's equivalent of getting punched in the face, and someone finally stops punching you in the face, and you go, oh, hey, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's high. There's no question it's high. And is the activity starting to slow down? Little by little, you know, you'd look at what's what the travel industry is like. And, you know, they lost all the employees, uh, you know, dur- during the COVID. And they're, they're slow to recover. And so there's low unemployment there, which makes the uh, travel experience very difficult. Uh, and so we're starting to see the economy begin to slow down. But you made a very good point in there. And that is, even if we have two back-to-back quarters of negative GDP, we know the first quarter was negative 1.6%. The Atlanta Fed, as of today, uh, has it as a negative 0.12%. That is two back-to-back quarters. We'll see if it comes in negative. But there's an organization, this National Economic Bureau, will they call it a recession when employment is really good. And so we really haven't had a recession in this country when unemployment numbers are so good and earnings are still good. And so we'll have to see if this is just a slowdown. If they call it a recession, Dan, it's going to be one of the most shallow uh, that we've had. And maybe the real inflation doesn't happen for six months, nine months, perhaps into 2023. So Economy is slowing down. That is what the Fed is trying to do. And they're going to take credit for for slowing down inflation eventually. But that's the firefighter who started the fire who came and put it out. So regardless of whether or not this is technically a recession, obviously inflation is as bad as it's been almost in any of our lifetimes. I mean, we keep seeing 40-year high, 40-year high for uh, the year-over-year inflation rate. And now you're going to have to start measuring it in the two-year inflation rate, just how much more are we paying for gas or paying for heating costs or paying for food or whatever it is compared with two years ago. Because as we've been talking about for, well, really since we started this podcast, Dave, that now we're into the point where, yes, the Fed is acting, but also inflation almost has nowhere to go, but if not down, but to flatline. Because if you're looking at 8.5% or 8.6% year over year, that's on top of the 6 7% from last July. So you would be looking at 15% price hikes in, in two years. That's almost unprecedented, isn't it, it? Yeah, and so you talk about, you know, 40 years. And, yeah, we have to go back to 1980s. You know, that is in my lifetime and probably a lot of listeners' lifetimes. So we can remember 1979, 1980, 1981 when, when that was getting away. But 
you, we talked about where inflation goes from here. I'll, I'll have a question that people can ponder. What would have happened to inflation if the U.S. dollar had been falling instead of getting stronger? So when with a stronger dollar, uh, we're, we're kind of keeping it in check. If it was falling, inflation would have been worse than what it is mm-hmm. right now. Number two, here's another ponderable question. What would happen if China no longer chooses their zero COVID strategy, right? In other words, it comes back online. I'm telling you, inflation would have been much worse. Uh, The supply chains might have cleaned up, and all of that could have been an issue. So, you know, we'll have to see if those two things happen. Number one, what happens with the dollar? Maybe Maybe it peaks and starts to turn around. And number two, uh, and of course, that, that's a commodity pricing uh, issue. And what happens with China? Those are two questions that could say that inflation is stickier. And that's what, you know, you and I talked about last year, that it has to be stickier because employment and wages are up, number one. And number two, rents are up. Both of those are not transitory. And so we'll have to see what inflation does. And are we at a peak inflation? That's the question. And if we don't have peak inflation, if inflation gets worse, we're not done with this downturn yet. If it begins to mitigate or moderate, then we can start to look forward. Do you believe the Biden administration when it says (laughs) – you didn't wait for the second half of my question, just in general. Uh, When it says by the end of 2022, I just have a tough time – because this isn't just one thing. This isn't just a supply chain crunch. This isn't just a labor crunch. This isn't just, you know, uh, increased demand because of a helicopter drop worth of money three different, four different times with COVID stimulus. This is a confluence of a whole bunch of things coming together to produce record high levels of inflation that I just don't see working their way out of the system in a year. And this is the same administration that was telling us at the very beginning of Biden's term, well, inflation is transitory. Well, we're going to see this. You know, I believe Biden, I think it was exactly one year ago, almost exactly one year ago, he says, no serious economist thinks that inflation is going to be around for a while. At the same time, you've got the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying, well, we think by the end of summer inflation will start to come down. Then it was well by the end of the year. Then it was midway through 2022. And now we're hearing the end of 2022. It, it sounds like this is going to be mid-2023 at the earliest. Yeah, I think you, you did nail this. And, and again, this this podcast is about the intersection of politics and investments. And if it's a political argument, you can just blame Biden. But there is this confluence of events. And it is, of course, supply chain. It, it was, of course, COVID, and it is Russia, and it is uh, the economy. And of course, there were things that were done before Biden was president. So I'm trying to be fair that there is a confluence of events that are going to have to work themselves through. So the Fed has limited tools, and the tools that they can use, which are raising interest rates and in, in, uh, quantitative tightening, that is a limited tool. Some of this stuff has got to work itself out. On its own, we still have to clear up supply chain. We still have to see if you know how this Russia-Ukraine issue uh, works itself out. I saw this morning, by the way, that Ukraine is called the breadbasket of Europe. Well, you know, we know that Russians were stealing the wheat. Now they're burning the fields. We saw this report mm-hmm. this morning, and so you know that's going to be a problem for inflation. So, I think you're right. I, I don't think we get a solid answer in two 
a solid answer until we get to 2023. But that doesn't mean that people should look at their portfolios and say, this is the end game. What they have to look at their portfolios and say, what is it going to look like in six months, in one year, in two years from from now, and to continue to accumulate? If you're putting money in your 401k, continue to accumulate to the areas that have been beaten down. For example, if you don't have small caps or international stocks, bring it back to the asset allocation that you intended to have by contributions. You don't might not have to even make big asset allocation bets. You can start to put your contributions in different places. If you're looking at your portfolio, Dan, and you go, boy, this thing sucks, this yeah. is not the end game, right? This right. is in and, and look past the election. Uh, I know you talked a little bit on your show this morning about what the election could look like. And maybe there is not as big as a red wave as we've all thought. Um, and you talked about that this morning, right? You know, it, it, it's certainly possible. Uh, but the Fox News projections that I was going off of show that Republicans, even when toss-up races, aren't included into the equation. And as we know, a lot of these races, there are something like 30 or 40 toss-up races in the U.S. House. Republicans are still projected to get 225 seats. You only need 218 to win the House. So I don't want to say it's sort of fate accompli, especially this far out when we've still got months and months to go. But it does seem like Republicans are going to win the House. It's in the Senate where I'm not necessarily less confident, but just the math might not work in Republicans' favor. Democrats are not playing defense in as many Senate seats as they might otherwise be. And you've got some issues with maybe not the strongest candidates emerging from the primary field in both Georgia and Pennsylvania to uh, key opportunities for Republicans to have pickups. You could see, and I am actually projecting that Republicans will get 52 seats uh, that, this is just based on my own understanding of the polls and looking at everyone else's projections and kind of, you know, doing a, a little comparative analysis. But there are people who thought, oh, Republicans will get 55, 56 seats. That's probably not going to happen. Is it possible that Democrats continue to hold on to the Senate? Yes. I just don't think that's likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the reason why uh, we talk about these things. It's the reason why you need to go through your portfolio and understand what you own and why you own it, and then have a plan to go forward. That's it, exactly. And you can do all of that at AnnexWealth.com through a portfolio review. It's called a free wealth metric. It's available at AnnexWealth.com. For Dave Spano, he's the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. I'm Dan O'Donnell, thanking you for listening to The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. 
Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast. 